0: and uh, that you'll fall more in love with God, more in love with his word, and more in love with people. Well, if you have your Bible this morning, turn with me to Hebrews chapter 11. And it's, uh, it's like uh, Barry Manilow, for those who are over 50 years of age, uh, it's like Barry Manilow sang many years ago. It looks like we made it. This will be the last message in this series today. (laughs) And so, Lord willing, we're going to get through uh, the last message here for faith for today. And then I want to challenge you, I want to encourage you, next week, you do not want to miss it. You do not want to miss friend day. Listen, show yourself friendly. If you don't bring a friend or you don't invite a friend, listen, those who come, show yourself friendly to those, right? And so we can all have a part in Friend Day as we celebrate 43 years at what the Lord has done here on this hill. It's amazing. It really is to think about all those who have gone on before, those who are in full-time ministry, those who have gone to the mission field out of this church, and those who have served right here in this place for so many years. And so we're going to have a great time next week, and I pray that you'll be with us as we talk about... Next week, heaven. Isn't that a good topic? We're going to talk a little bit about heaven. And, uh, and I'm looking forward to it. Well, we're going to look at our last message from faith for today here in Hebrews chapter 11. But we know right away, before we even get there, we know from Romans chapter 10 and verse number 17. The Bible says, so then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So listen, faith comes by hearing God's word. So we have the word of God and the spirit of God. That's how faith is, uh, comes and so we know that from scripture but when we got into Hebrews our study of Hebrews we looked right away at verse number one and verse number one says now faith is the substance or the assurance of things hoped for and the evidence or if you please the conviction of things not seen and what we have said over and over over the past 11 weeks is that faith believes what God has revealed And faith trusts what God has promised. A lot of times we misappropriate faith, misappropriate faith in things that really are not godly. Faith believes the things that God has revealed and trusts in the things that God has promised. In other words, it's sure. I'm sure of the things I hope for. I'm sure, I'm confident of the things that I hope for because they have been revealed and they have been promised by God. And so throughout our time in the study, we've been reminded that faith actually listens to God. Are you listening to God this morning? Can I just say something to you right now as we get in the Word of God? Listen, I want to encourage you to to gather up all the loose thoughts of your mind right now. Gather them all up and tie them in a knot and get rid of them. Set them to the side. Are you you listening to what the Lord says today? Because faith listens to God. Faith walks with God. Faith actually not only walks with God and listens, faith obeys God. As as we learned from Sarah's story, faith receives, and in her case, she receives strength. Some of us need strength today. Anybody? Anybody need some strength? Faith actually appropriates and receives strength from God. It submits to God. We don't like that word. You're like, Pastor, could you just skip that one? Right? But it submits to God. It worships God. It hopes in God. It confidently makes choices. God and as we looked at last week from the story of Rahab faith actually commits to God and to the people of God what is God doing in our lives and so this has been a beautiful tree that we have looked at this tree of faith And all the beautiful fruit that faith produces, it's really beautiful. But look with me this morning, and we're going to begin in verse number 32. Now listen, as I read, I want you to know I'm going to make some comments, especially once we get into the first three or four verses. I'm going to make some comments because what we do sometimes is we read this passage without ever giving thought To who the passage is actually talking about. And so I'm going to make some comments. It may be a little bit different, but we're going to make our way through it. Look with me at verse number 32. Draw our attention to what the writer of Hebrews says. Beginning in verse 32, he writes, And what shall I more say? In other words, what else can I tell you? I mean, I've given you example after example after example of those Old Testament saints who have exercised faith, and I've done so to, to be an encouragement to, to edify you, to build you up, to, to strengthen you in your faith, and so in your faith. And so the writer says, "What more shall I say?" Watch, he says, for the time would fail me. In other words, he says, I don't have enough time. I don't have enough paper. I don't have enough ink to tell you all that I could tell you about these others. And notice he says, he names a few of them. He says, I don't have time, it would fail me to tell you of Gideon, and Barak, and Samson, and Ephithai." And, and so you see that J, and you just want to say Jephthah, but it's Jephthah, Jephthah is the name there. And he says, and of David also, and Samuel, and of the prophets. And so we don't have enough time either. You say, praise the Lord, pastor, I thought I was getting nervous. The writer of Hebrews said, "We don't have enough time, but we know you, and you can make enough time to preach on." Listen, that'd be about a four-hour message. Who's game? I got one over here. I got a one. I got a one. Give me, give me the two. Give me the three. Give me the three. Right? We'll we'll do an auction right here. I don't have time in this moment to share all that these ones did by faith. And this is what the writer of Hebrews is trying to say. Listen, we can't, I, I've shared these examples, but I don't have time to show you all that people have done through faith. But notice, he says, I've given you these examples, but notice he goes on in verse number 33, and watch with me. I'm going to make some comments because he says in verse 33, through faith, they well who are they he says they subdued kingdoms i believe that's talking about david and the kingdoms that were subdued he says they wrought righteousness i think that was really referring to all the old testament saints but especially samuel you think about samuel god told him to go and talk to king saul and you can read all about it and king saul was disobedient And Saul, he comes back and he instructs the king. But this is what he did. He executed justice. He wrought righteousness. Notice it goes on. They obtained promises. Speaking of the prophets, they stopped the mouths of lions. And if you were at the watchmen gathering on Sunday, David so eloquently pointed to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But my brother, I would also point to the fact that also Samson stopped the mouth of a lion. And also David, you remember he said, he said, oh, King Saul, it's no big deal. He said, because I've taken care of bears, and I've taken care of lions. I'm ready to take on the giant. Man, we can re- what can we do if we just exercise some faith? Oh, what a, what a wonderful thing. He says, verse 34, these ones, by faith, they quenched the violence of fire. And, and, and that's what I was really talking about, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And you think about the others, you think lot. Lot, he leaves Sodom and Gomorrah, he's saved from fire. You think about Moses, he prayed to stop the fire and the brimstone that was raining down. You remember, others have, have uh, uh, escaped the violence of fire. But look, it says on, it says they escaped the edge of the sword. And this is Jephthah and many others. Out of, out of weakness, they were made strong. Think about Samson and David and Hezekiah and even Barak. And Barak, he's one who waxed valiant and fight. Along with David and also Gideon who turned the flight of the armies of aliens. But notice verse 35, ladies. You think about the, the widow of Zarephath and the Shunammite woman. In verse number 35, it begins by saying, Women received their dead, raised to life again. That's a whole lot going on, isn't it? John Wesley. John Wesley makes the point. And here's what he says. He, he proclaimed At one time, he said, speaking of this passage, he said, faith overcomes all impediments and affects the greatest things because it attains to the very best and it inverts by its miraculous power the very course of nature. Do you have a faith that overcomes all impediments and then inverts the very course of nature? That's what the Bible is saying these people did by faith. Let me just say, they didn't do it in their own strength. They did it in the strength of God, in the wisdom of God, and in the in the power of God. They by faith did all of these things. But I can tell you also, they agonized. Because look at verse 35. They not only wrought some great things by faith, there were some hard times. Can I tell you, if you're walking by faith, you might as well get ready. You're going you're to go through some seasons of suffering. I got one person who understands that. You're going to go through some seasons of suffering. Anybody been suffering? I just talked to you about a lot of people who are hurting today. Lost loved ones in the hospital. We have to be, we have to be sure. Oh, yes, we have reasons to rejoice, as we've been talking about on Wednesday night. But we, we also know that suffering happens. And so how do we live this life? We must live by faith. Look at verse 35. It highlights the agonizing things that people were facing. It says this, and others. It says, and others. Who are these other people? It says they were tortured. They were not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection. In other words, these people—they were being tortured, and rather than receiving a temporary physical uh, resurrection, they were looking forward to a better resurrection. Amen. One that's eternal in the heavens. I'm looking forward to that resurrection. Oh, what a what a day that will be! Look at verse 36. The Bible says, and others, and and I believe we begin to see things from like the prophets Elijah and Elisha. It says, they had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings. But then the last part, it says, yea, moreover of bonds and imprisonments. I think you think about Joseph and you think about Samson and Jeremiah, the weeping prophet. And then verse 37, they, I believe we're looking at Naboth and Zechariah and the prophets. It says, they were stoned and they were sawn asunder. Now, the sawn asunder usually stops a lot of people. They're like, oh man, these people were sawed in half. Who was it? Where do we find it? I'll just be honest with you. I really don't know. Perhaps, I believe perhaps some of these ones who were sawn asunder were were those who were serving during the time of Antiochus. Or maybe, maybe as Jewish tradition uh, points to, maybe they're talking about the prophet Isaiah who was sawn in half by King Manasseh. I knew Manassas was trouble. Verse 37, look at it again. It says they were tempted and slain with the sword. You think about the priest of Nob by Saul's men, Dog. You think about what was going on there in the prophets of the Lord by Jezebel. It says, says, and they were slain by the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins as Elijah and Elisha did and others would have done being destitute, afflicted and tormented. And then look at verse 38. It says, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. Oh, friends, in other words, these ones who are listed in this text, those who accomplished great things, those who agonized over over some things that came into their life and faced real suffering, the reality is that they all showed the power of faith in everything, even in their suffering. And as we come to the close, look with me, because as we come to the close of chapter 11 here, you would, think, you would think that at the end uh, of chapter 11, we would read about some triumphant climax. It would be some big old thing like, Bum, ba, we're going to have all these great things taking place when you get to the end of chapter 11. I mean, after all, look at what God has done through these people. But That's not what we find. Look at verse 39. 39 says, And these all, having obtained a good report through faith, they received what did it say are you kidding me they received not the promise hold on these people who are being held up to me you're saying pastor you're talking to me like 11 weeks of faith for today and you've been sharing about all these people who are examples of faith and you're telling me you get to the end of it and it says and these all having obtained a good report through faith received not the promise what are you talking about? You got to be kidding me. I thought I thought God was going to take care. What are you? What is this all talking about? Well, I can tell you, it can be hard at first glance, but oh, there's some good news right here. Oh, there's some good news. Listen, you, you you think about it. Old Testament men and women, those saints who have gone on before. Listen, they were blessed to receive many wonderful gifts, but what is it that they did not receive? What is it that they did not receive? Well, we have to think about what are some of the things they did receive. And so, first of all, I want you to notice Old Testament believers, they were forgiven. They were forgiven the same way you and I are forgiven. Listen, our faith looks to Jesus, and we look back to what Jesus accomplished on the cross through his death, through his burial, and through his glorious resurrection. That's what we do. Old Testament saints, they looked to Jesus as well. They looked forward to what he was going to do. You say, Wow. You think about it, you know, Old Testament sacrifices, you know why they had Old Testament sacrifices? The reason they did so is because they were expressing a trust, watch this, through the sacrifices year after year after year, even as Hebrews 10 tells us that the blood of bulls and goats could not take away sin forever. They did that, watch this, year after year after year because they trusted that that was the way that God was forgiving their sins. And so by faith, they looked to God. They looked ahead in time. David says it this way in Psalm 32. He said, Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is a man unto whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity, and whose spirit there is no guile. Old Testament believers were forgiven. And I got some some news for you because not a lot of people talk about it. We get, we get scared sometimes to talk about the Holy Spirit. But Old Testament believers had the Holy Spirit. You say, where do you get that? Well, I get it from the Bible. They had the Holy Spirit. Listen, certainly we know that the Holy Spirit is mentioned and seemingly doled out more and more in the New Testament. But I got some good news for you. These Old Testament uh, uh, ones of the faith, listen, the Holy Spirit... Rushed on them just like it rushes on us. Listen, it was rushing on the judges. And, and you think about David. Do you remember David in Psalm 51? He's praying his penitent prayer. And in Psalm 51, in verse number 11, he says these words. He says, cast me not away from thy presence and take not, what does it say there? Thy Holy Spirit from me. Oh, it's evident that even Old Testament believers had the Holy Spirit, whether we like it or not. Old Testament believers, I got some good news for you because the the psalmist Asaph tells us that Old Testament believers, they went to heaven. Isn't that good news? Hey, we ought to be amen in that because guess what? If the Old Testament believers didn't get to heaven, if our loved ones didn't get to heaven, then you and I are in trouble. They went to heaven. Asaph says this in Psalm, in Psalm 73, excuse me, Psalm 73, he states the Old Testament saints experience. He says this, he says, thou shalt guide me with thy counsel, and afterward, what did he say? He says, you're going to receive me to glory. This is the way he looked at it. He said, whom have I in heaven but thee? And there is none upon the earth that I desire beside thee. In verse 26, he says, my flesh and my heart fails, but God is the strength of my heart and my, what does he say? Portion forever. I hope the Lord is your portion today. You say, well, I'm kind of hungry. Listen, come unto Jesus, Right? He's he's my portion, and I pray he's your portion. Not only today, but tomorrow and forever and ever. And this is what Asaph said. Old Testament believers, they looked by faith for the Savior who was still yet to come. That's faith. We haven't seen him. We we, We haven't experienced it. But we're going to continue to look by faith for the Savior who was yet to come. And by grace through faith, their sins were forgiven. They experienced the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. And they entered into the glorious presence of the Lord when they died. But I digress. Go back to verse 39. Because verse 39 says, They received not the promise. So what part of the promise did they not receive? if they were forgiven, if they had the Holy Spirit and they went to to be in the presence of God, what is the part of the promise that they didn't receive? Well, to get that, let's read both. Verse 39 and verse 40 together. Look at it. And these all, having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise. Look at verse 40, because this is key. God having provided some better thing. Watch that, some better thing for us, you and I, those, those Jewish believers at the time who were facing persecution, the writer of Hebrews says, God having provided something better for us that they, without us, should not be made perfect. And these verses can be difficult, but what is the some better thing that God has planned provided? I got news for you. The key is in the very last phrase. Look at it. It says, it's talking about being made perfect. And the thing is that being made perfect is not something that takes place here in this life. Being made perfect takes place in another destination. And so you say, well, hold on. They didn't receive the promise. And you're telling me the key phrase is that That they, without us, should not be made perfect. That's the point. They're not being made perfect. And honestly, the reality is this ought to get us really, really excited about our God. Well, a couple people said amen. Some of you are unsure about getting excited about God. uh, Watch this. Let me just say this politely. Our world, our world in which we live in continues to ramp up its rhetoric the world that we're living in, watch this. Now, listen, please hear me. I, I, I want to be loving and I want to be kind, and I'm just a little cuddly teddy bear. Our culture, our world that we live in, is ramping up the rhetoric. And maybe you've heard this capital letters D E I. The world is looking for diversity, the world is looking for equity, the world is looking for inclusion. And I just say, well, if that's what you really want, then you need to come to Jesus. If you want, hey, listen, I'm not being funny and I'm not trying to be silly right now. Watch this. If you want diversity, if you want equity, and if you want inclusion, then you need to come to Jesus right now before the message is over. If you don't know Jesus, you need to trust him right now. Because here's the thing. I remember as a kid, I remember singing that song, Jesus loves the little children all the children of the, hold on, that's called diversity. Red and yellow, black and white, they are precious in his sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world. That's, a, that's diversity, folks. You want diversity, you come to Jesus. Oh, you want to say, oh, well, I want some equity. Well, that's good, too, because Jesus is not a respecter of persons. He don't count this one higher than this one, this one different from that one. He's equitable across the spectrum. And so if you want diversity and you want equity, you come to Jesus and say, well, pastor, you haven't told me about inclusion. Well, my Bible says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's called inclusion. That means you can call on the Lord. You can call on the Lord. And you over here can call on the Lord. And yes, even Linda can call on the Lord. And be saved. Sometimes I just want to go like this. When people say something, sometimes I go. <laughs> Diversity. Equity and inclusion. And when I look at the last part, look at verse 40. Because you say, what's that got to do with it? Because God's equity is on display in verse number 40. Watch what he says. It reveals his plan for all Old Testament believers all new testament believers that we will be made perfect watch this at the exact same time why because he's all about diversity he's all about equity and he's all about inclusion and so guess what not even those old testament saints are going to get a head start on us you're like well is that fair Guess what? You need to read the story about the one who was hired at 6 a.m. in the morning. And he was hired for a certain wage. And the one who came along at 9 and 12 and 3. And they all got paid the same thing. That's what our God is. He's a loving, equitable God. And he says they're going to be made perfect. Look at verse 40. It says there, the last phrase, that they without us should not be made perfect. Old Testament saints lived with an anticipation of something better. I don't know about you, but I live with an anticipation of something better. Don't get me wrong. I love this life. I love my wife. Man, that even rhymes. I'm a poet. I love this life, and I love my wife. How long could I keep that going on? I don't know. Right? But I'm looking forward to something better. I'm looking forward to something better. And one day, look at Scripture, because one day the Bible says we will all experience this everlasting glory. We will be made perfect together. Oh, friends, I can assure you that your loved ones, along with Old Testament saints, have gone on before. And they are with Jesus Christ. They are with Christ. 2 Corinthians in chapter 5, the Apostle Paul, he points out, he says, we walk by faith and not by sight. And, he, and the reason he says that is because, look at verse, f- verse 8, he says, because we are confident. He says, he, he says, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Oh, listen, Paul said in Philippians 1 and 21, he said, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. And he continued in verse 23, and he said this, he said, I'm in a straight. I'm in a strait betwixt two. He says, I have a desire to depart and to be with Christ. He knew where he was going. He was assured by faith. He was assured of things not seen. He said, I'm in a strait. I want to be with Christ. And he says, but I want to be here with you. Can I tell you I feel the same way? I feel the same way. I want to be here with my family. I want to be here with my wife. I want to be here with you. But I'm in a strait. I want to be with Jesus. And Paul makes it abundantly clear. And God's word makes it abundantly clear. It's it's much better. It's much better. Oh listen, you know, my predecessor used to say all the time, don't drive your stakes in too deep. Oh listen, we ought not to drive our stakes in too deep because soon and very soon, I shall see him as he is. Oh, I can't wait to talk to you about heaven next week. They're with Christ. But our Old Old Testament saints and our loved ones, they're not only with Christ. Here it is, they're waiting. They're waiting. You say, what? They're waiting for, listen, they don't have a resurrected body just yet. Listen, not, not all believers have been gathered together just yet. The new heaven and the earth have not come about just yet. They're waiting for the glorious return of Jesus Christ, just like you and I are, when every believer will receive his resurrected and glorified body, when every believer will enter into the fullness of all that God has revealed and all that God has promised. Oh, listen, and because of Jesus, who is so amazingly perfect, we will all experience these wonderful things together. He's so equitable. That's not even a word that I would use to describe him because he's so much more than just equitable. He's so much more than just diverse. He's so much more than inclusive. But he is all of those things. I think about when the Lord gives John, you remember? The Lord gives John a glimpse of eternity, He gives him a glimpse of heaven. And, and you say, well, where do you get this, this idea that they're, they're with Christ, but they're waiting? Where do you get this? Well, the Lord gives John this, this vision of heaven. And in Revelation chapter 6, and if you look at it, it's incredible. Like, he, we get to verse number 9. Listen, listen, here's what John says. He says, and I saw under the altar... The souls of them that were slain for the word of God, these are martyrs. He says, "I see them, and for the testimony which they held. But notice in verse 10 he says, "And they cried with a loud voice. You see what they're crying? He says, "How long? How long, O Lord? How long, O Lord, holy and true, dost thou not judge and avenge our blood on them that dwell on the earth? The question is, oh, how long, O Lord, what must we wait? Oh, listen, make no mistake about it. Old Testament saints and all who have gone before us are with Christ, but they're also waiting. They're waiting for their resurrected body. They're waiting for the day when we will all be gathered together as a family of God. They're waiting for the universe to be restored, evil to be put down and squashed forever and ever, just like you and I are waiting for those things as well. But here's the deal. These ones that we read about, we just read they don't they didn't receive the promise the reality is they have run their race i didn't put it in my notes but i was looking on this page of my bible which is chapter 12 i wrote up at the top of my bible it says don't be weary every race has a finish line don't be weary Every race has a finish line. Some of those finish lines come sooner than others. But they all have a finish line. And so the reality is Hebrews chapter 12. Look at chapter 12 and verse number 1. The writer of Hebrews puts it this way. He says, Wherefore, seeing we are also compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience, The race that is set before us. Listen, you and I, the writer of Hebrews is saying, listen, you are surrounded. You are in this stadium complex. If you ever wanted to play ball in a big stadium, you're there. You ever wanted to run in the Olympics, you're there. You're surrounded by these these multitudes of multitudes of people. Look at verse 1. They're watching us. They're witnessing our race. And you know who's with them? You know who's with them? People like Abel is watching. People like Enoch, people like Moses and Abraham and Sarah and Isaac and Jacob and Joseph and, and on and on the list goes. They're watching. They're watching. They're watching. Listen, they are cheering us onward. They are cheering us upward to finish the race that has been set before us. And look at, verse through, look at verse 2 because verse 2 gives us three words of how you and I can finish our race and how we can finish it by faith. Look at the first three words of verse number 2. It says, looking unto who? You want to finish your race? Look to Jesus You're struggling today, look to Jesus. You're up on a mountaintop today, you better look to Jesus, because guess what, that mountaintop experience won't last forever. You'll come down. But we ought to be looking to Jesus. And so I put in my notes, as a reminder for all of us, faith looks to Jesus for everything. Faith looks. Looks to Jesus for everything. The last part of verse 1 tells us to run with patience the race that is set before us. And verse 2 tells us how. It says looking unto Jesus. Listen, faith requires us to look to Jesus for everything because faith actually recognizes our weakness. Anybody weak here today? Faith recognizes our weakness. And so we have to look to Jesus He's the one who will give us wisdom if we ask in faith. He's the one who will give us strength. That's what he told Paul. He said, my grace is sufficient. You're weak. You want to be strong. You need to rely on me and my grace. My grace is sufficient enough to strengthen you. My grace is sufficient enough to give you wisdom. My grace is sufficient enough to give you courage to make courageous choices for me. He's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we could ever ask or think. But we must be walking by faith. And Paul knew this. Because Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, in verse number 5, he says, not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God. Just like Paul or anyone else who ever accomplished anything for the Lord, we must lean on heavily, we must lean on the supremacy and the omnipotent power of God. You and I, I said this Wednesday night, do not, do not think you are a match for the devil. You say, well, I'm walking. Do not make the mistake of thinking you are able to take on the devil. My Bible says flee the devil and he will flee from you. That n- never, ever, ever in Scripture does it say get ready and box the devil. Now. I flee the devil. And guess what? The Bible also says at that time in James chapter 4, it says, Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands. Right? Oh, we must flee. We must flee these things. We walk by faith in the supremacy and omnipotent power of our Lord. In many ways, we are just like the Old Testament believers. We believe in what God has revealed and trust what he's promised. We endure just as they endured, and we look to Jesus just as they look to Jesus. You think about it. It's, it's in Jesus that God revealed himself. And so in the Old Testament, they saw Jesus. You say, they saw Jesus in types and forms. They were revealed in types and forms. But you and I, Jesus has been clearly revealed in the word of God. We don't have to look for some kind of shadow, some kind of type, some kind of form in what's taking place. We can look clearly to the unmistakable truth that Jesus is the, the, the Son of God, the, the Savior of the world, if you please. And so, yes, our faith looks to Jesus for everything because here's a couple of thoughts, and I got to wrap it up. He's more than just an example. He's more than just an example. Verse 2 says he's the author and the finisher of our faith. So, in other words, Jesus is the foundation of our faith. We know Colossians says, by him all things consist. Therefore, everything surrounding our faith begins. And it ends with Jesus. No Jesus, no faith. Everybody get that? It begins and ends with Jesus. He's the author and the finisher of our faith. There's no doubt. No doubt he's a great example. But he's more than just an example for us. As the author and the finisher of our faith, he's also the perfecter of our faith. That means one day he's going to complete it. He's going to bring everything into completion. And the Bible tells us in Philippians 1.6 that you and I, we can be confident of this very thing. That he which has begun a good work in you will perform it unto the day of Jesus Christ. Oh, we can be sure. Just as I'm standing here today, you can be sure that our faith, if you have faith in Jesus Christ, your faith will end in sight. Oh, we will see him one day. In Acts chapter 17 and verse 28, the Apostle Paul says, For in him we live, in him we move, and in him, guess what? We have our being. He is over all, beginning and end. So faith looks to him as our example. We also look to Jesus because he will enable us to endure. And so the writer of Hebrews, you remember all the way back in the first message, maybe you don't, but in the first message I was talking about how these people were facing severe persecution and how the writer of Hebrews in chapter 10, if you look across the page in chapter 10, you'll see that how they, he says in verse number 36, that they had need of patience. Now hang on to that word patience, because I just shared with you that He also says in chapter 12, let us run with patience the race that is set before us. And then he says, looking unto Jesus, right? Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, watch this word, endured. So you see the word endured, you see the word patience, running with patience. And in Hebrews chapter 10, the writer of Hebrews said, hey, listen, you're in need of some patience. Can I tell you that word patience? again, is the word hupomene, and it actually means cheerful endurance. He wasn't saying you need to be patient about what's going on. He said you need some endurance. Can I tell you that faith is what will enable you and I to endure? And if you look at Hebrews 10, look at verse 38, because it says, Now the just shall live by faith. But how does faith enable us to endure? Well, it enables us to endure Here it is, faith enables us to endure because faith causes us, watch this, if I have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, faith enables me to endure because my faith will begin to listen to God. Faith enables me to endure because guess what? I'm gonna start walking with God. I'm gonna start obeying God. I'm gonna start making courageous choices for God. I'm gonna believe that I can receive strength and wisdom and on and on from God. And I do all of those things by faith that's what the bible says think about jesus in john chapter 15 verse number five he said i'm the vine he said i'm the vine you're the branches right that's what he says he says he that abideth in me and i in him the same bringeth forth much fruit but then he says for without me you can do nothing you see faith abides And endures because faith realizes that without Jesus, we can do nothing. The only way that I abide, the only way that I endure, is through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what the Apostle Paul said in Galatians 2.20, a very familiar verse of Scripture. He said, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And then he said, and the life which I now live, watch what he says, the life that I now live... He says, I live in, uh, in the flesh. He said, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Oh, folks, when Christ lives inside of us, he gives us a righteousness that you and I could never obtain on our own. He gives us a peace that we would never experience on our own. And he gives us an endurance for whatever we face. Oh, yes. I challenge you. Come to Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, that's you and me, the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and is now sit down at the right hand of the throne of God. What a Savior we serve. I put in my notes, because he endured, you and I can endure, and because he lives, we shall also live. Jesus is more than example He's more than just someone who enables us to endure because I also see in scripture that one day Jesus will bring us into his glorious reward. You know, I, I digress for a second because Hebrews chapter 11 and verse number six, it says that without faith, it tells us that without faith, it is impossible to please him because he that cometh to God must believe that he is, number one, that he is God, but he also must believe that he is a rewarder Of them that diligently seek him. Listen, Jesus will bring us in to his glorious reward. You say, how do you know that? Because if you look at verse 2, we see he's no longer on the cross. He's no longer in the grave. The Bible says he's sat down at the right hand of, of the throne of God. And that's good news for you because guess what? He is our advocate. You know there's one who's accusing you. You can go to Zechariah chapter 3 and find out about the one who is the accuser of the brethren. But guess what? I got the greatest defense attorney of all. And you know what? I don't have to have him on retainer. It cost me. Watch this. I have the greatest defense attorney ever. And I'm sorry, but it cost me nothing. When the accuser of the brethren steps forth, my advocate, not guilty, not guilty, not guilty. There's no way. It's Covered under the blood, under the blood. And you know what the father would be like? Dismissed. Case dismissed. Case dismissed. But I got news for you. If you don't have that advocate the outcome will be looking very, very different. As Hebrews 11, look at it, says, 11 verse 40, it mentioned that some better thing that God had planned and provided us for us will one day come to fruition. And I told you that it's gonna happen. We're all gonna experience this together. And so as I wrap up, I just wanna say this. One day by faith, I've already mentioned it, but one day as 1 John chapter three and verse two says, one day by faith, We shall see Him as He is. There's coming a day when the entire family of God will be united with Christ and reunited with one another. What a day of rejoicing that will be. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 8 and verse number 11, He said, oh, there's going to be many coming from the east and the west and they shall sit down with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and they're going to sit down and have this powwow in the kingdom of heaven. Oh, one day, one day we will be together with Jesus. And in that day, the good news is there's going to be no more divisions. There's going to be no more divide, no more dispute. Every effect of sin will be removed forever. And because of His amazing, glorious grace, we all shall be made perfect. Yes, yes, I know some of us think we're perfect already, but I got news for you. That's what real perfection will look like one day. By faith, Oh, we shall see him as he is. One day by faith, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verses 51 and following, it says one day that we shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. We will be changed. Watch it, it says, in a moment and in the twinkling of an eye and at the last trump, for the trump of trumpets shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed for this corruptible must put on incorruption and this mortal must put on immortality our redeemed spirit will one day be clothed with the resurrected glorified body no more sickness no more pain no more goodbyes only hellos what a joy that's going to be I'm going to be you know they have they have this junk out there the sexiest man alive and all this junk ladies I got news for you one day I'm gonna be the sexiest man alive in heaven because I'm gonna have a glorified body Mercy is right. My wife says, even so come quickly, Jesus. It's amazing what you all wake up for. What a day that's going to be. One day we're going to see him as he is. One day this corruption is going to put on incorruption. This mortal will put on immortality. But I close with this thought. One day, one day by faith, as Abraham, in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 10, one day by faith, just as Abraham, he was looking for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker was God. One day, just as John in the book of the Revelation in 21 and 2, he saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven prepared as a bride adorned for a husband. Oh, one day just as John and just as Abraham saw those things, one day you and I too, according to Revelation 21 and verse 3, we will be with our sovereign God who will dwell with us and we will dwell with him. We shall be his people and God himself will be with us and be our God. Oh, there's Coming a day. And I don't know if you haven't looked around lately. It seems like it's coming soon. Jesus will bring all of us into his glorious reward. Therefore, as Hebrews chapter 12 instructs us, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that was set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the same, and he is set down, he is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. I wonder what it is, just honestly, I wonder what it is that you're trusting God for right now, in your life. Let's get real personal real quick. Just among yourself. Think about it. What is it that you're trusting God for in this moment in your life? What is it that you need to trust God for in this moment? Maybe you're here and you've never trusted Christ as your Savior. Can I tell you that God loves you? He loves you so much that He sent His Son to die for you. If you've never trusted Christ, can I tell you that's the message that you need? That's the step that you need to take of faith is to call upon the name of the Lord. Right? Right? If you're here today, maybe you're going through some season of suffering. Maybe you're going through some season of confusion. I don't know what it is, but what is it that you are trusting God for in this moment? What's amazing is I was in Bible study this morning, and the first passage that came up was referencing Matthew chapter 14 and verses 22 to 33, the whole whole story there. And I put in my notes, like Peter of old, Like Peter of old, faith causes us to courageously step out of the boat. But faith also knows who's holding us up. You ain't walking on water without Jesus. I'm not walking on water without Jesus. And so if you've learned anything over the past 11 weeks, I pray that you have learned that you and I as ordinary people can follow the examples of ordinary people who believed what God had revealed and who trusted what God had promised enough to listen to him, to walk with him, to obey him, to submit their lives to him, to receive power from him, to make courageous choices with him, for him, and on and on. They did all of this not because they were great. They did all of this because he is great. And you and I have the opportunity right now to exercise faith. Faith that sees what is not there. Why? Because it believes what God has revealed. And by faith, it trusts what He has promised. Father, we love you. God, as we come to you, we're so thankful. We are people who are filled with gratitude for you in this moment. As we have been on this journey of looking and being reminded from your word how we can have faith for today, God, we are are grateful for the examples that you have given us. But we're most grateful for your love and how you demonstrated that love for us. God, help us to be people of faith. Help us to listen to you. Help us to walk with you and obey you. And on and on, the list goes, as we have seen from your word, realizing that we must look to you for everything because you are the author and the finisher of our faith. God, I pray that if there's somebody in this room right now, somebody watching that's never trusted Christ, that they'll simply right now, they'll just call out upon the name of the Lord. They'll say, Jesus, would you forgive me of my sin? Literally, it's not about the words. It's It's about the word of God and the spirit of God bringing someone to the point where they understand that they must take a step of faith, God, that they would just call out and say, Jesus, forgive me of my sin. I believe you are the son of God. I believe you died for me. I believe you were buried and you rose again to conquer death, hell, and the grave and I'm trusting what you have done. I'm trusting in who you are as the Savior of my life. With no one looking around. You say, Pastor Greg, I said that prayer today, and I meant it from the bottom of my heart. Would you just look at me? Get my attention. Just look at me, get my attention. God bless you, young lady. Someone else. Get my attention. Say, been, I, God bless you, young lady. God bless you. Someone else. God bless you, sir. Someone else, say, I meant it from the bottom of my heart. God bless you. Someone else, I'm trusting Christ as my Savior. Anyone else? Maybe you're watching online and, and you've made that decision today. You've trusted Christ by faith. I'd encourage you to let us know how we could be praying for you in the days ahead. Maybe you're here and you say, Pastor, I'm, I'm dealing with something right now. And I need to trust God. But I'm struggling with the faith to step out of the boat. Would you pray for me that I might exercise greater faith today and tomorrow? Would you just pray for me? Would you look at me and say, just pray for me, Pastor, that I would exercise faith in the days ahead, and I'll pray for you. God bless you. God bless you. I see you. Bless your heart. Someone else, I see you back there. Bless your hearts. Good, so good to see you. Yes, sir, I see you. I see you, young lady. Someone else, say, trust me. I see you. Yes, sir. You know I'm praying with you guys Anybody? Yes. 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 Yes, ma'am. I see you over here. I need to trust Christ for something. I need to exercise faith, but I'm struggling to do so. Just pray for me. Anybody else? Anybody else? Yes. God bless you. Father, we love you. God, we thank you. You've seen the hearts and the hands and the and the desire of your people. I pray now that you'll strengthen us as we open up this altar for a short time of imitation that we open it up as grateful people where we can come to your throne and that we can lay our petitions before you, understanding that you are the only one who can meet our needs. God, I pray for those who, who have trusted Christ that need to be baptized, those who are looking for a good church home, those who have other decisions or just want to come and praise you, that they would make use of this time as we begin to sing this song. And we'll be careful to give you the praise for it all. For it's in Jesus' precious and powerful name we pray, and for his sake, amen.